Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Dr. Albertus Maria from AJM to the show today. Um, Albertus, offshore investing is obviously a big theme at the moment, people looking to diversify. But there are two elements recently that have come to the fore that are quite interesting and I think that are causing more problems than answers for investors from a tax perspective. On the one front, we have those looking at investing into what is a foreign um, pension fund. And on the other side of the equation, we have usual offshore trust investing, where I think some investors are also not quite getting it right. So maybe if, you, if we can talk to those two issues, and, and maybe let's start with the, with, with the pension fund itself um, and you know, how that is working and, and you know, maybe why it's not um, ideal you know, just to look at it um, through a lens of investment and not necessarily tax. So, Evan, the, um, the two conventional, well, the two matters that we're referring to is one, um, making uh, loan contributions to an offshore trust structure of which the contributors, the lenders are typically South African resident uh, discretionary beneficiaries. The other um, somewhat more bespoke uh, product involves South African beneficiaries contributing to an offshore pension fund scheme. Um, and the latter is one that was recently the focus of a SARS ruling um, that was released to say how they consider these uh, retirement funds, or how these contributions should be treated from a tax perspective. Look, both instruments uh, underlying uh, to both would be the desire by South African residents to get offshore exposure, to externalize funds and to have it uh, invested in, in offshore asset types, be it to mitigate so-called political risk, um, to hedge against the uh, South African RAND's volatility, um, just simply because there are offshore assets that are attractive. Uh, the question is whether we realize and achieve all of these um, goals, and specifically underlying the purpose of the offshore pension fund scheme a number of um, advisors I've seen in the past have advised that these contributions would not only allow you to externalize assets, but would also allow you to decrease the value of your estate. That's ultimately going to be subject to estate duty when uh, that um, contributor passes away. And what SARS has now said in its ruling is that that, in fact, is not the case. In fact, um, SARS's ruling confirms that it sees quite a number of onerous tax consequences to these schemes. In the first instance, it doesn't decrease your estate, according yeah. to SARS, as many advisors have uh, advised their clients. And secondly, uh, when those amounts are ultimately paid out to whoever's contributing to the fund, those amounts are going to be taxable on income tax account for the beneficiaries, whereas when you contribute to the fund, you don't get a deduction, as would have been the case for a South African pension fund contribution. So really, other than for the uh, ability to have investments in offshore assets, which one can do in own name in any event um, through conventional means and buying listed shares offshore, I'm not convinced that these funds are attractive any longer if SARS interpretation is correct. Now, the, the only thing that I would add here is that this is, of course, SARS's interpretation. Of course. Not to say that it's law, it's simply SARS's interpretation. But what it does say then is that SARS is firmly aware of these types of schemes, and I'm afraid that they will start looking at enforcement of 
uh, its own perceived tax consequences much more uh, in future. And of course, the benefit is to accumulate that wealth offshore, notwithstanding the way SARS may interpret this. Um, you're accessing foreign currency, capital exposure, and that, of course, remains uh, you know, a popular um, avenue and, and nothing wrong with that. But certainly, um, you know, pause, a uh, cause to pause on, you know, what are the tax consequences here? And, and there are also some unclear elements, aren't there, as well? Like, for instance, when... Um, when a member elects, even prior to death, uh, for other people to become beneficiaries. I mean, that's not clear either at the moment, right? Yeah, so a common, a common um, feature of these schemes is that you can change beneficiaries of the pension fund scheme um, at the later stage. In other words, to say, look, I'm no longer going to benefit from the fund. I rather elect for the trustees of the fund to benefit members of my family to the extent that the trustees of the fund would decide for it to happen or how it should take place. Um, that is not covered by the ruling. It's, it's definitely one of the more controversial features of the scheme. And it's notable that that is not addressed um, in the ruling. And I would think that SARS would take an even a more dim approach um, to, to, to that type of arrangement. Um, I think, Evan, that, yes, the attractiveness is, of course, that you can invest offshore. It has tax benefits as well. Um, perceived at least by the advisors to some of these schemes. Um, there are, of course, much simpler ways in which to invest offshore and I should add much cheaper ways to invest offshore. So the question is whether those types of more conventional investments, simply buying listed shares, for example, directly offshore, may now not be more attractive than these complex, costly schemes, the tax consequences of which are uh, uncertain now, I would think, um, and potentially even under certain circumstances more onerous. And, and Alberto, just in conclusion, of course, just to distinguish between the 1 million rand annual um, exchange control allowance where you can invest outside of South Africa's uh, borders, that's a single discretionary allowance, and then you also have the 10 million um, where you can invest in offshore assets using what is a foreign investment allowance. Um, and of course, that's where people would go and, and look at, at offshore trusts, right? But also a, a kind of a bit of a challenge when it comes to reporting uh, from a tax perspective there as well, right? Yes, no, absolutely. So, Evan, just to, I think, remind everyone, you have one million rand that you can spend offshore annually as you wish. You can make investments, you can buy a coffee, you can go and stay in a hotel. I mean, that one million is absolutely up to your discretion. Mm. You have another 10 million rands that you can use to buy investments offshore, provided your tax affairs are in order, so you have a tax clearance certificate. Now, you need that tax clearance certificate if you are going to invest offshore, be it in buying listed stock yourself, yeah. be it to make contributions to a foreign pension fund, or the other more conventional type of structuring method that we see for high net worth families in making loans to an offshore trust. And I think what a number of uh, uh, taxpayers aren't aware of is the fact that you need to report these arrangements to SARS under certain circumstances. So in terms of our Tax Administration Act, we have a regime in terms where of certain transactions are so-called reportable arrangements. So one of those reportable arrangements uh, would be when an individual, a South African tax resident, makes a payment, this includes a loan, to an offshore trust of which 
that individual is a beneficiary. In other words, if I have South African tax residents lending monies to an offshore trust of which it is a beneficiary, that loan will in time be more than 10 million rand. Then there is a reporting obligation to SARS. You need to go to SARS and say, look, I've made this loan. If you don't report it, there are rather significant penalties. They range from anything between 50,000 to 300,000 rand per month. So reporting is definitely um, recommended. And moreover, you need to report it within 45 days. So quite a strict reporting period to be observed too. The reason why we, are, we, why we need to report these things and why SARS wants them reported is quite simply that it is considered a high-risk uh, type of transaction from a tax perspective and one that SARS wants to look into to see whether these transactions are structured as they should be from a tax perspective. Is there a concern that some clients are, are you know, obviously quite a few clients are probably not um, getting the right advice on this, you know, and, and this is going to lead to potential problems down the line? Yeah, so I think, in my experience at least, most of these trust um, loan structures are correctly structured. Hmm. Uh, those loans need to carry interest, and that interest, of course, needs to be taxed in South Africa. So I see that happening. What I don't see happening is that a number of clients seem to be unaware of the fact that they needed to report these structures when they were put in place. So our clients, at least, we are recommending at this stage, when we come across new clients with these types of structures, to immediately go to SARS and report them to see whether we can't get past the penalties. Uh, That's the first thing. The second is that the trust loan structure is, of course, a rather simple one. We in South Africa, we're quite familiar with trusts and how they work. And an offshore trust works in much the same manner. The offshore pension fund scheme, however, is a complex structure. And there certainly I would highly recommend anyone who's looking to contribute to these offshore pension funds to take advice first to understand what the consequences involved are, be it from a donations tax perspective, an income tax perspective for themselves, there are capital gains tax implications, estate duty implications, and then, of course, potential reporting as well. Well, Albertus, thanks very much for highlighting these uh, astute and key points. Uh, Really important to keep in mind and, and great chatting to you. Thanks very much. Excellent. Thanks, Evan.